Hallelujah. Well, we're, we're in our series on the essential church, and we're continuing uh, to journey. The goal, uh, which we're going to hit at even more next week, uh, is to get us to a point of understanding what it means to live as a disciple with Jesus Christ. And uh, there are several things that we need to arm ourselves with if we're going to really understand that. And, the, and uh, we've been building on this foundation. Everything in the last several sermons have been upon the foundation of Christ. And what we've discovered is that you and I have an inexhaustible inheritance. And uh, why do we have that? And, you know, the Bible says that we are heirs of God and we are co-heirs with Christ. Well, what does that really mean? What does that mean for your life and for my life today? Why is that an, an inexhaustible inheritance? And how do we receive that and how do we live that out in our lives today? Well, let's pray and see if we can gain some understanding in this area of what the Holy Spirit would have for us. So, Father God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for everybody gathered here today. Holy Spirit, we do pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they might know you better and that they might know the hope to which you have called them and that they might know the glorious inheritance that is theirs in Christ Jesus and God, that they might know the incomparably great power for us who believe, Lord God. And so, Father, come today and teach us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Well, how is our inheritance inexhaustible and a present tense reality? We're going to be in the book of Ephesians for today's sermon, uh, particularly chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me. Uh, if not, some of the scriptures will come up on the screen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 starts off and tells us this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Hallelujah. Well, how, I mean, we, that's quite a statement. I don't know if you kind of like, that's a fridge magnet, guys. Like, like that's a bumper sticker. Like, like, you know, every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing is mine. Every spiritual blessing. Do you guys catch that? I mean, this is kind of like who has blessed us. This is past tense. This is a done deal. Every spiritual that blessing that you need is in Christ. And, and how, how can the Father give us those things? How can we get those benefits? You know, a few weeks ago I talked about uh, covenants. And uh, though we might not understand covenants in terms of the Bible, Bible, but we understand them in terms of our day-to-day -day life. A covenant is just a formal, solemn, binding agreement. And in the Old Testament, God made covenants continually with mankind. So he'd enter into an agreement, do this and you're blessed. Don't do this and you won't have problems. Guess what we do? We do the don't do this stuff. We always get into all the time, all throughout the Old Testament, are all these covenants God makes with you and I, with mankind, and we break every single covenant. And uh, you just need to understand that. That's kind of the pattern of the Old Testament was really showing us that, you know, you can't live this life on your own. And so we've discovered these covenants and we talked about them, but all of a sudden in, in, in Christ, all of a sudden we've been introduced to a new covenant. There's another covenant. You're like, oh great, here I go again. Am I going to blow this one? Well, the good news is this. This covenant, this new covenant called grace, uh, is not between you and God. It's actually between God the Father 
and his son, Jesus Christ. And you come and abide under that covenant through a thing called faith. Now, why is that significant? Well, because (laughs) you can't blow this covenant. I don't know about you, but that's good news for me. That's good news that I cannot wreck this covenant. Because if it was a covenant between God the Father and Greg Fraser and all of your blessings depended on that, you would not be happy with me because I will have blown that many, many moons ago. And uh, so what is this new covenant that you and I are under? And why is it such a perfect covenant? We talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago, but I want to reiterate some of it because I want you to build on these thoughts. Understand if the Father, Father God, and the Son, Jesus, made a covenant, why would this be an exceptional covenant? Well, there's lots of reasons. First of all, it's an eternal and a permanent covenant. Think about it. God is eternal. His Son is eternal. Therefore, the covenant between them is eternal. How many know that's good news? I think that's good news. Here's the second thing. It's irrevocable. Why is that good news? God cannot lie. (laughs) So good news so far. It's an eternal covenant. It's an irrevocable covenant. And it's an indestructible covenant because God is eternal and God is omniscient or omnipotent, which just means he's all-powerful. But he's also immutable. And the word immutable just means he doesn't change. So how many of you know this is a pretty good covenant? Remember Jesus said, I'm the, I'm the same yesterday, today, forever. And he, now Jesus has entered into this covenant with the Father. And he invites you and he invites me to come and live under this incredible new covenant between the Father and the Son. And so the only way to really describe this so we grasp the immensity of this and and also understand how I can't wreck it and you can't wreck it, uh, let's just look at a natural covenant and come to an understanding. So one of the covenants that you and I might understand is the covenant of marriage. You enter into the covenant of marriage. And uh, in that covenant, um, this is very funny, but up here, When the little lights go around, it looks like a bug running across. And I actually think there's a spider here every time. I'm like, ah, ah, three sermons. I haven't figured it out yet. It's not a spider. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not hallucinating. Let me go back to this covenant for a moment. Here we go. (laughs) It's like, we have bugs in the church. No, we don't. We're good. Um, So you you enter, let's say you wanted to get married. Let's just use the example. You wanted to get married and uh, you, you, enter into this covenant, you, you, you say to yourself, well, I have certain values, I have certain character, there are things that I want, and so you finally meet somebody who says they're just like you, they agree with you, they have the same passions, the same vision for their life, the same direction, you're like, man, this person is so awesome, I'm going to marry them, and you marry that person, and you enter into a covenant. But when you marry them, what you discover is maybe they're not the same as you, and maybe they kind of blow it. And they ended up leaving, and they break covenant, and they get divorced. Are you following me? So, you know, you're an optimistic person, so you say, I'm going to try again, and you go out there again, and you meet someone else, and they say, oh, yeah, I'm just like you. Oh, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. I want the same things you want. And lo and behold, it's not true. They break covenant, and they leave again. So you try again because you're so optimistic. There's got to be somebody. And you, you marry that third person, and you're like, oh, my goodness, this is it. This is finally it. No. They blow it again and they leave. And you're like, this is devastating. But then, 
you finally meet somebody who really is like you, in fact, that they share your values, they have character like you, they believe in the same things, they have passion the same way you do, and you marry that person, and, and suddenly you have this incredible marriage, the marriage you've always been looking for, You're like, this is awesome, this is awesome, this is what I've always wanted, and then you say this, you know what we're going to do? We're going to adopt children, and we're going to bring them into our family, and guess what? Those children will live under our covenant, and those children will be blessed because they're under our blessing. And so the father and the mother have this incredible marriage, this incredible relationship, and kids come in to that, and they live under that. But here's the thing. If one of those kids said, you know what, I just don't like this, I'm leaving, I'm, I'm going on my own, and they leave that covering, and they leave un, from uh, being underneath that marriage, how many of you know that doesn't change the, the covering? How many of it doesn't change the covenant? Even though the kid who is living under the blessing of that covenant decides to leave, the covenant is still intact. Are you with me? So this is exactly what God has done. Okay, just, just follow the analogy now. God married us. <laughs> he entered into a contract with us, a covenant with us, and guess what we did? We blew it. We left. So you know what he did? He established another contract with us. Guess what we did? We blew it. He established another contract with us. Guess what we did? Every single time God established a covenant with mankind, we walked away from the covenant. We blew the covenant. So God knew we were going to do this all along. So what did he have in mind? He said, I will send my son who will go down to earth, become a man, live a perfect, holy, spotless life, and I will enter into a covenant with him. And then... We will adopt and invite people to live under our covenant and under our blessing. Guys, this is good news. <laughs> See, because Greg Fraser, when he blows it, he doesn't wreck the covenant. When Greg Fraser makes a mistake, he's still under the covering of God. He's still under the covering of the Father and the Son. This is an incredible covenant, guys. This is an incredible covenant, and all the blessings of that covenant are yours. All of them are yours. God has decided to get, make you an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ. So everything, everything that Christ has and is, is yours by faith. That sounds too good to be true. I know, but hang in there. So what is our inexhaustible inheritance look like because the reason i get that inheritance remember our first verse every spiritual blessing is in christ it's not in greg hallelujah <laughs> thank you god that i'm not the keeper of the covenant i just receive the benefits of the covenant do you know why the bible says that you are more than a conqueror Because you receive what the conqueror has won. Therefore, you're more than a conqueror. Amen? It's like when I used to reach into my wife's purse and take the money that she won at work and say, I am more than a conqueror. And then that resulted in some things that's about a marriage seminar. I'll get there in a while. It didn't work well. Are you following what I'm saying? 
Guys, I want you to start to grasp this incredible covenant that you're part of because you're in Christ. It's not based on your efforts. It's not based on what you do or fail to do. It's based on what Christ has done. And will you believe it? Will you actually believe that God would love you this much to give you this incredible inheritance? Well, what does our inexhaustible inheritance look like? Believe it or not, the Bible actually paints a little bit of a picture of it. It goes on in Ephesians chapter 1. Here's the first thing that you learn about your inexhaustible inheritance. You are chosen. You are chosen. Listen to what it says, verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Wow. God chose me before he created the world. Now, what does that mean? God is, God is creating the world. He's speaking the world into existence. Let there be light. Let there be earth. Let there be these things. And he, guess what? Before he even did all of that, he saw you. He saw you. He spoke you into existence, into a little seed that one day would come several thousand years later after creation started. And here you are, chosen by God. You mean God spoke me in before he even created the world? He saw me and he spoke my, and he chose me? Yeah, isn't that crazy? Isn't that incredible? And you're like, well, if God spoke me into existence, why didn't he speak me a little taller? Why didn't he speak me a little bit smarter? Why didn't he speak me with blue eyes and blonde hair? Why did he speak me the way he is? You know what? Thank God that you go through the things you go. Thank God for your shortcomings because if you didn't have shortcomings, you wouldn't realize how much you actually need God. You know, you look at sufferings that way, that's a beautiful way to look at a suffering. Because you start to understand, man, I'm desperate for God. <laughs> Every day I need God. Guys, you're chosen. You're chosen by God. And it goes on and it says this, you are holy and blameless. This is part of your inheritance. This is a present tense reality, guys. This is not like one day I will be holy and blameless. No, no, no. Right now... Right now, before God, the way God sees you, he sees you as holy and blameless. You know, I grew up as a Catholic, and uh, to become a saint in the Catholic Church was an epic adventure and journey. And uh, if you can study this, go online and see what it takes to become a saint in the Catholic Church. You have to have two miracles associated with your name. You have to go through all these different tests and they, before they make you a saint. You know, it's quite an amazing thing for me to say to my two aunts who are nuns, I am a saint. Now, I don't say that arrogantly, but I understand who I am. Do you understand what I mean? I am in Christ, and because I'm in Christ, I have been made holy. The Bible calls you saints. You are saints of God. You are those holy ones. You are welcome. You can call me Saint Gregory anytime that you want. I, I, I'm okay with that. And uh, just re I, I'll call you that back, and we'll, we'll bask in our sainthood. You guys, understand, I don't, I'm not a saint because I'm saintly, perfect in my own self. I am saintly because I'm in Christ. I'm under a new covenant. It's not based on me. It's based on the Father's love and plan and purpose for my life and for your life. You are holy and you are blameless. Hallelujah. And then it goes on in Ephesians and says, you are adopted into his love. It says, long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish life-giving or gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. 
Now understand something, guys. We don't quite grasp the importance of what this text is saying. Because we see adoption uh, from our perspective today, whereas there's adoption we see as this incredible need of there's no family and that person needs to be adopted. But that is not what Jesus was getting at or the Apostle Paul was getting at. You see, adoption in the ancient day was a little bit different than that. From the historical perspective, uh, adoption was about bringing somebody back into, or into citizenship in the, kingdom, in the kingdom of Rome. So to, be, to be, really have the rights of a Roman citizen was like the most coveted thing in all of the ancient world. And there's only two ways you could become a Roman citizen in the ancient world. You had to be born a Roman citizen, or the second way is you could be adopted as a Roman citizen. Now, understand something. This wasn't just family saying, oh, we're going to adopt a child that's in need. This was family saying, that person has done an exceptional service to our family. That person is an exceptional person. We choose to adopt them. So that you might be a slave working for your slave owner, and you've been in this exceptional servant, and, and he just loves you and values you, and then one day he comes to you and says, you have done such a great service for me, you have, I'm going to now adopt you and make you part of my family so that you can become a Roman citizen. Guys, there's an incredible selection in adoption that the Bible's talking about. He's talking about an incredible honor and privilege, the highest value of selection. Now understand something. God is adopting you and adopting me even though we are helpless and broken and lost and desperate. He says, I value you so much, I'm now going to adopt you and bring you into my kingdom so that you have sonship, daughtership in my kingdom and you bear the name of Christ." You are under my family and in my family. Wow. You're adopted. I mean, guys, this is getting pretty good. You are chosen. You're holy. You're blameless. Now you're adopted, which is pretty good. I mean, it goes on. Here's your inheritance. It just keeps getting better and better and better. You are redeemed, forgiven, and declared innocent. You say, come on, pastor. Here it is. In him we have redemption. That is the deliverance and salvation through his blood which paid the penalty for our sins and resulted in forgiveness and the complete pardon of our sin in accordance with the riches of his grace. Church, you were in slavery to your sinful, self-centered behavior. You were enslaved by self-righteousness or you were enslaved by selfishness and God said, I've redeemed you, I've adopted you, I've forgiven you, I've cleansed you, I've removed your guilt, I've removed everything. You walk into the courtroom of God, guilty as hell, and you walk out a child of God, forgiven, clean, holy, pure, redeemed. This is a mind-blowing inheritance, you guys. It's awesome, it's incredible, and we got to meditate on it and think about it constantly. 
you know, we're, we're come out as these, we come in as these slaves, and now we leave as sons and daughters. And really what God is saying, he's giving us an invitation, you guys. And he's saying, now come and do life together with me, with my son Jesus in our kingdom. Live your life like, like Ashley was talking about. Now you are part of the kingdom of God. Live victoriously. Live bringing justice, the justice of the kingdom of God, the righteousness, the power, the love, the grace. Bring it to this world. You're redeemed. Woo! Guys, this is party time. It's like bake a cake. Woo! Blow a blow. The Come on! Somebody get excited because, man, you are, this is who you are. This is who you are. You're so much bigger and brighter and more beautiful than you could possibly comprehend. If you saw yourself right now in your redeemed state, you would be mind blown. I know that's a fact. Most of you know my testimony. I, I went to my sister-in-law's baptism when I was 20 years old, eight days before my 21st birthday. She's getting baptized in this church that's like this, this kind of crazy church, you know, where they're clapping and standing and singing. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, I like God. I like God. I'm good. I'm good with this. I'll clap. And all of a sudden, I'm in this church. And guys, this is, this is the honest, I can, I can just tell you what happened. I'm, I'm in this church, and I, I look around. I'm sitting in the second row, 700 people there. I look around, and they all looked perfectly spotless. They were shiny, brilliant white. And I, I literally am sitting there, and I, let, I remember saying to myself, these are the holiest people in the world. How haven't I seen them walking around on the street? And I, I knew I was a black dot on a white page, guys. It freaked me out. Do you know what God did to me that day? He unveiled me and showed me the church. He showed me what people in the kingdom of God look like. And I ran for the altar. That old preacher preached right at me. 86-year-old, and he literally, 700 people pointed me right out in that second row and said, young, I was sitting right there, young man, the Spirit of God is upon you. <laughs> like, okay, man, what, what do I do? <laughs> and he marched down off that platform and came and sat by me and prayed for me, and I said, yes, sir, I'm in. Now, I'm going to tell you a little secret. I pastored in that church several years later. Those people weren't as white and spotless as they looked that day. Are you guys catching this? This is who you are. It's maybe not how you see yourself all the time, but it's what's true of you. And here's the next thing in your inheritance, according to the Word of God here. You are in Christ, and His Holy Spirit is in you. Listen to what it says. It's in Christ that you once heard the truth and believed. This message of your salvation found yourself home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet ring from God is the first installment of what's coming. A reminder that we will get everything God has planned for us, a praising and a glorious life. Guys, you, you are so holy that the Holy Spirit can now live in you. You are so perfected in the eyes of God that he can actually make his home in you. 
that is awesome. <laughs> the spirit of the living God is in you, and he's not just some token. He's there to empower you, to bring the kingdom, to be a witness in your heart and in your mind, to say you are God's beloved, you are his son, you are his daughter. He reminds you continually of who you are and whose you are. This is what the Spirit of God does. So how do we live out this inexhaustible inheritance in Christ? Listen to what it says. It actually goes on and tells us, because I'm going to tell you a little secret. Um, God actually understands that you're not going to get it. God understands that this is going to be hard for you to comprehend. So look what he does in verse 17 of chapter 1. He says, I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You're to pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? <laughs> because you need to get your, why, your wisdom from heaven's perspective and not from your perspective. Guys, I don't know if you catch this. Uh, I'm going to get somebody to close that door. There's some kids playing out there. We're just going to close that door to bind them out of the church, those little kids. I got bugs running on the stage. I got children running in the halls. <laughs> I should come to that church. It sounds really interesting. Yeah, you're, you're good. Guys, I want you to get something. <laughs> you have to pray. This is so hard to comprehend. You actually have to pray. God, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know you better. Why do I need to know Christ better? Because I'm in Christ. And if I'm in Christ, I better know whom I'm in. <laughs> because I look at me and all I see is me. Except God needs to open the eyes of my heart and reveal to me that I am so much bigger and more than I could possibly imagine because I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. That's what it says, to know him better. It goes on in the verse and says, give you a deep and personal intimate insight into the true knowledge of him, for we know the Father through the Son. And then it goes on and says this, that you might know the rich inheritance that is yours in him. Listen to what it says. I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and the core of your being, will be enlightened, flooded with the light of the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Church, you got to pray. And I don't know if you know this, but I pray this prayer for you almost every single Sunday. Every single Sunday, I pray before I preach. Do you guys catch this? I say, Father, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we might know you better. God, teach us that the inexhaustible, the incredible inheritance, the hope of the glory of God, the hope of your inheritance. Lord, show us this hope. God, show us, reveal yourself to us, God. Help us, Holy Spirit, to understand the inheritance that is ours. Help us, God, to know this incomprehensible, inconceivable inheritance that we have received in Christ. Oh, my God, help us to see it. Help us to understand and it help us to live it out. This is a great prayer to pray over your life, by the way. When I first became a Christian, I prayed this scripture every single day over my life. God, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better, to know the hope that you've called me to, to know the glorious inheritance that's mine, to know the incomparable great power for us who believe. See, church, here's your inheritance. You're chosen. You're holy and blameless. You're adopted into his love. You are redeemed, forgiven, and declared innocent. You are in Christ, and the Holy Spirit is in you.
That's yours. And you don't need that when you get to heaven, church. Listen, you don't need that when you get to heaven. You need that right now. You need that today. You need to know these things and understand these things and abide in these things and rest in these things and rejoice in these things and live your life like this is true. Because it is. Where does this incredible power operate? You know, the Holy Spirit who's in us, he says, what a measurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power that is in us who believe. It goes on and says this, these are in accordance with the workings of his mighty strength which he produced in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Okay, why do I say all that? This is where the rubber meets the road. This is discipleship 101. You, in and of yourself, are dead. It's only through the power of the Spirit of God that you have life. And there are places in your life and in my life that are dead and broken and separated. And listen to me, religion tries to tell you you need to fix these things. But relationship says, stop trying to fix it and trust me to fix it. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration, which I've given in this church before, but I want you to understand it because it's important. Guys, listen to me. The treasure of our salvation is often locked inside of us because our vision is locked on ourselves instead of on God. What do you see when you see yourself? Because I'm going to tell you, this is how God sees you. This is you. You are a new creation. Online, you're a new creation. This is what God says. It's incredible scripture. Regard no one from a worldly point of view, including yourself. The old is gone. The new has come. This is what God sees when he sees you. This beautiful, white, beautiful, new creation. And just to prove it to you that you are a new creation, you know what he does? He actually says, I'm going to place my Holy Spirit in you. So the Holy Spirit goes in Greg and reminds Greg that he is a new creation. Hang on. Spirit's having trouble getting in. Here we go. <laughs> Great. Okay. So there I am. Isn't this wonderful? So beautiful. The new creation has the Spirit of God in us. I love it. So thankful. And you, you, this is what we read in Ephesians 1.14. Having believed, you were marked in him with seal, the promised Holy Spirit, the deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. So, but then it gets even better than this. You ready for this? It actually is bigger than this. You ready for this? We, the new creation, are in Christ Jesus. Hang on. Back. We're back online. Here we go. Here we are. New creation. Spirit of God in us. Guess what the Bible says? You are in Christ. Didn't the Bible say that? You can read this yourself later. Colossians 3.3. 3. For you died and your life is now hidden in Christ with God. This is who you are now. Okay. This is what God sees when he sees you. You're in Christ. 
If he didn't see you in Christ, how many know you are doomed? If he just sees you standing on your own, why do you need Christ? Why did Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me? You must be in Christ. It's the only hope that you have. You don't stand on your own before God. You stand in Christ. Woo! Pastor, preach yourself happy. I will. I'm going there right now. Amen. So we're in Christ Jesus. That's good news. You're seated with Christ. You're a saint in Christ. Every spiritual blessing is in Christ. And just to make sure that you think this is big enough, because Jesus, you know, he was a man. Can he really take me all the way? The Bible says this. Listen to this. John 14, 20. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So hang on. Here's, here's Christ, whom you're in. The Spirit of God is in you. And guess what? They, together with you, are in the Father. And I just dropped the Father on the ground. You'll be okay. Okay, 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 okay. The Bible says, nothing can snatch you out of my Father's hand. He's greater than all. Church, how secure are you? How significant are you in the eyes of the kingdom of God? Whose are you? Who are you? You're in the Father. You're in Christ. The Spirit of God is in you. This is amazing. This is incredible. Pastor Greg, let's get out of, the, out of here and just go and live our lives now. Woo, the kingdom has come. This is amazing. This is awesome. Why do we struggle to believe this? Darn it. We still live in a tent that is our body. Look at what 2 Corinthians 4 says. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Check this out. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So where is this treasure? In jars of clay. And by the way, your jar of clay is kind of chipped, cracked, broken, and leaky. It's marred, and it's scuffed, and there's stuff wrong. Anybody else feel this way about their jar of clay? Am I alone? Uh, you know, sometimes I try and pretend that my jar of clay is okay, and I start to cover it up. I'm okay. You're okay. Look at that. I'm happy. Everything's good. And what do you mean? No, there's no poison symbol there. No, no. Ah! Danger, danger. Woot, woot, woot. And you know what we do? You know what religion teaches us? Listen to me. Religion says, fix this. You have a radioactive personality that's killing everything in its path. You better fix that, and then you can be a Christian. Anybody else try and fix that? Do you know what happens when you try to crucify yourself? You end up with the worst form of self. I don't know if you figured that out. See, this, this is what we do. We try to fix this stuff. We think, well, God loves me. I have to fix all this stuff now. No, 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 no. Stop 
trying to fix the outer envelope and saying, God, I, I got to fix all this and say, God, I'm just going to rejoice in who I am, in whose I am. And you begin to cover this and you begin to change this because I change my focus from this to this. This is Christianity, guys. This is the new covenant. This is going to take you the rest of your life to actually grasp this and live it out. This is discipleship 101. The Bible says you need your mind renewed. Why? Because all we see when we look at our lives is this. When all God sees when he looks at our lives is this. Who's right? God is right. I'll answer it for you. You see, you, you're in Christ now. So here's the, here's the job of the disciple, and this is where we're going to go. This is where we're going to finish. You need to remember, this is the first job you're going to do from today forward. You need to remember who you are in Christ every single day. I am a new creation. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. I am adopted. I am righteous. I am holy. I am all that God says I am. And when the devil says, well, you got this whole area of death in you, you know what? There's a power in me that covers and changes that death and brings it to new life. God, guys, listen to me. God is not interested in you acting like Jesus. He wants to transform you so you are like Jesus. And so how do I do that? I remember. That's why Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so what's my job now? Repent and rest. That's why Isaiah 30, 15 says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. This is the key of discipleship. This is where we're going from this day forward. How can Greg Fraser take this outer shell, this jar of clay, and begin to understand this is how God sees him, and then begin to see this outer shell transformed because of the power of God living in me? This is what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life, and this is what we're going to start talking about more and more next week. Let's pray. Well, maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor Greg, I, <laughs> all I can see is the outer envelope. All I can see is the jar of clay. I, I just, I struggle. Listen to me, guys. I, I'm going to tell you something that you may, don't throw rocks at me for saying this. You, can, you can't pray that out. You can't trust that. You just have to trust God to make the change in you. 
you know, we think if we try harder, if we work harder, if we fast, if we pray, all those things are good. But if they're not done in faith, they do nothing. You are in Christ, and your job is to trust him to finish the work that he started. And if you're saying, Pastor, that's me, I I see myself, and I'm constantly fixated on that outer envelope instead of the treasure within, I need my eyes changed. If that's you, raise your hand with me right now. Say, Pastor, would you pray with me to receive that revelation, spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better? Yeah, lots of hands going up. My hand goes up every day, every day. I pray that over my kids their entire life. I prayed that prayer. Give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord. Show them, show them, because the kingdom is so awesome, so incredible. If that's you, that's awesome. That you're praying that prayer. Go and pray Ephesians 1, 17 to 21. It's a great prayer every day. Pray it, pray it, pray it. Repent, and that just simply means change your thinking. You have stinking thinking. And the stinking thinking is that you think you have to fix this. You can't fix this. You can trust God to fix it. Amen? And rest and rejoice in Him. If you're here today and you're saying, I've never asked Jesus to come into my life. I've never been born again. This is what it means to be born again, to invite the Holy Spirit, to invite God to come into your life. If you've never done that, or online, if you've never done that, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. If that's you, just raise your hand here today with me so I can pray a prayer together with you. Or if you're watching online, just click on that button that says, I made a commitment to Christ. I'm new here. Those different things, you can let us know your story and we'll follow up and pray for you as well. But let's pray with those that have raised their hand. Say, Heavenly Father, pray out loud with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, who died for me. Thank you that I am in Christ and that I have an indestructible inheritance. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give these people a hand today. Amen. Hallelujah. I kept you a little bit longer. Forgive me. But um, I have a little more freedom in the last service. You get to suffer through that extra seven minutes. God bless you, church. Go in the peace and the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to find out that all of us are dead and in need of a resurrection. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. Amen.